Hi, everybody. This is Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Jason Grice. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 33. Uh, happy birthday, everybody. <laughs> this is our one-year anniversary episode. Same thing. Does that feel like a year to anybody? Like, I'm not trying to be weird about it, but, like, it it honestly doesn't feel like we've been doing this for a year. <laughs> uh, well, I think the fact that we recently switched over to, like, a weekly schedule really, you know, makes it feel like we've been doing it a lot more now. So, mm. I don't know, that may have some effect, you know, on the perception. There's there's some old episodes I try not to think about, so maybe that's that's cutting a chunk of time out, too. <laughs> but, uh, alright, everybody ready to, like, not talk about comics? Hmm? 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something that, uh, that Jason suggested, and he's right, is that, you know, we've been doing this for a year, and we pretty much suck at letting our, our, just ourselves, our personal lives leak into this show, so we're gonna, we're gonna be, like, we're going to answer some listener questions. We got some voicemails, some message board comments. And just kind of, I don't know, just just bring ourselves to the forefront here. Like, a perfect example. Jim, I have no idea what the hell you do for a living. I think you told me once, like, it's something to do with testing concrete or something. I, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, yeah, I, I test concrete, I test asphalt. I have a county job working at the... Uh, you know, the lab in my county, and we have to go out, we test concrete from time to time, we test asphalt, we test soil, we make sure that the soil is, you know, compacted enough so you can put a road or a building on it or a sidewalk. We make sure that the concrete in the sidewalk or the building is strong enough to support things. You know, stuff like that, that's what I do for a living. Huh. Because I had this picture in my head of, and this might be from too much CSI, but I had a picture in my head of, like, like you in this, like, sterile, poorly lit room with a metal table, and on the table is, like, a big slab cut out of the street. And, like, you're just staying there in, like, a lab coat with some goggles on and, like, writing something on, like, a clipboard. You'll just every now and then put the clipboard down and, like, just wail on the, the, the concrete with a hammer and then pick up the clipboard and just write some more stuff? Yeah, yeah, no, it's absolutely nothing like that, really. Um, <laughs> since since we work with so much dirt and concrete, you know, there's a lot of dust, there's a lot of dirt that gets into things. So it's really not anything like a sterile environment or anything like that. Uh, you know, it's, you know, one, one of the cool things is that we will make cylinders, um, six inch diameter, 12 inch uh, tall and put them in a compression machine. (laughs) And there's this machine that's like, you know, works on hydraulics and stuff like that. And it basically like squeezes the cylinder until it explodes. And that's how you know how strong the concrete is. So that's fun. Get to blow things up every day. Yeah. I find that what it takes to blow it up is the best possible strength test for anything. (laughs) (laughs) See what strength blows it up, and then just back it off a little, and you should be good. Yeah, take one step back from that. <laughs> You're fine. Because uh, this actually this feeds into something one of our members, Hebrew Lantern. He asks, 
just kind of randomly in a different thread. Um, you know, he wants to know, like, what do we do that lets us be up till 1 a.m. talking about comics? And really nothing. We just do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I tend, to, I tend to work nights. So, like, I'm a night person, so I'll tend to go to bed around 4 every night regardless. Um, like, except for tonight, because I have to actually get up and go work at 10 in the morning, which is... The, me going to work at 10 a.m. is kind of the equivalent of a normal person going to work at, like, 4 a.m. <laughs> um, I'm I'm actually, I'm a cashier in, at a pharmacy. And that, not so much by choice, but kind of. Because, like, I went to... I went to college in New York, and I knew going in, like, well, I'm not going to be bringing a car to college. That's stupid. So in high school, I just never got my driver's license, because I figure, like, I'm, what, leave it, leave the car at home for four straight years and not really use it except during the summer, because, like, you'd, you'd have to be stupid to take a car to the city. I mean, seriously, especially if you're going to live there. And, like, ever since then, I've been, my goal has been kind of the to get back to the city because i went to art school i've been trying to get into the comic field in some way and it's it, it it's it is as hard as people make it sound especially now when it's like it they're hiring less it seems or maybe i just stink that much i don't know <laughs> um, so it's kind of like my summer job from college turned into my full-time job until i don't need it anymore and that's just kind of been a lot longer and more open-ended than I thought it would be. And it's like 10 minutes from my house, so it works out. <laughs> <laughs> I can't that. Oh, that, that sounds nice. Yeah, not really. It's not a terribly hard job, but it's like, it's retail, so it's... You you can you go in expecting a certain degree of soul-sucking, but... <laughs> it, it, I don't know, especially this time of year when you just don't want to have to deal with anyone or, cause I mean, we live in a shore town, so we're close to, we're like within a mile or two of the beach. So summer is huge and we're overrun with people and then that dies down and then we have to do Christmas. So it's like we, we have like a month of lull. I, I, I'm kind of glad the economy has people not buying loads and loads of, of like candy this, <laughs> this past Halloween because it gave us kind of a breather. Jason, you work like eight jobs. What about you? Um, in the daytime, I own a uh, mobile auto detailing business, which uh, was doing really, really, really well um, right before the, acro- the economy took a dump. Um, one of my high-profile clients, he owns the, uh, the Venetian, the Palazzo, the Sands Corporation. Those are all uh, really big casinos on the Strip. And he's the third richest guy in the United States. Wow. Worth like $85 billion. Wow. That's with a B. And uh, he has two cars that are worth over a million dollars each. They're um, the Mercedes Maybox and stock. They're 500000 And then he gets them um, armored and bomb-proof. So uh, that's one of my, that's my, like, my highest profile client. I've actually never even met him or his wife. Um, I just deal with their agents. They have guards and they have agents. So you, know, you like so you actually that. make cars be bomb-proof? No, 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 no. They they do that. They they get their their cars bomb-proof. Oh, okay. I um I wash them and detail them. I I wax them and, and that kind of stuff. I I maintain the exteriors of the car and the interiors of the car, 
shampooing the carpets and stuff like that. That's what uh, the detailing work is. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Because wow. if you did that, I'd be like, can you do that to, like, my house? That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> can you just do that anyway? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. But uh, that's my day job. Um, once the economy took, you know, a dump, I kind of lost about 50 to 60% of my clientele. Oof. And uh, so I needed to get a supplemental job. So um, prior to that, I was uh, I worked in the grocery business for about 10 to 13 years. And uh, when I left, I was an assistant store director um, in the salary position, the, the second person in the store. So I just wanted to make some extra money. So, uh, and graveyard is pretty much the only thing that, uh, time-wise that I could do. So four nights a week, I work graveyard throwing freight in the grocery stores. So my day consists of, uh, like, staying up, getting up in the morning, working uh, during the day, and, uh, you know, come home, spend time with the kids and the wife. And um, I'll sleep for, like, an hour before I go into work at night, then work all night. And then if I have to work the next day in the daytime, you know, I'll sleep for, like, a half an hour or an hour, then I'll work all day, and then I'll come home, spend time with the kids, and I'll usually sleep the whole night through. So I'm usually up for two to three days at a time with, like, an hour nap in between. Oh, God. Uh, but, uh, you know, just doing that for now. But actually, um, I'm thinking about moving back up in the company, and I figured it out to where I could move my clients to two and a half days. So if I can get specific days off, and work a closing shift on Saturday, then I can do both jobs. I'll be working seven days a week, uh, 12 to 15 hours a day, but, you know, I'd be able to sleep, which would be a really nice thing because I miss sleeping. <laughs> yeah, that would, sleep would be like a day off. It's funny because, I mean, I also, I'm really super involved. I think I said this before in my, my kids' schools, and yeah. I'm on quite a few different committees at school, and uh, I did a... Um, a donation car wash for the school. And they were talking about, like, oh, yeah, you look tired. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm all right, though. You know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And they're like, well, how much sleep did you get? I'm like, dude, I got, like, four hours of sleep. And I'm like, yeah, we're dragging. We got four hours still. I'm like, are you kidding me? Four hours of sleep is great for me. You know, I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I could do this all day. <laughs> so it's just funny because, you know, everybody's like, well, you know, how do you do that? How do you just sleep for, like, a half an hour and then get up? Well, you know, it's what I got to do. So if I get that other position, I'll be making quite a bit more money. And my goal is uh, I want to buy another house. I know I couldn't sell my house now with the market the way it is, mm. but uh, I'd have to rent it out. But, you know, I want to buy another house with the, you know, how with the buyer's market. So, you know, with the houses being as cheap as they are right now, for as big of a house as you can get, you know, so I figure if I do that job, and, you know, for the next six months, you know, I don't have a day off, but it's really, you know, not that big of a deal because I've only had a few days off since February, complete days off between both jobs without having to work either one. But uh, if I do that, you know, I can save up quite a bit of money. And then uh, I could buy another house. And then I would, you know, rent this house out that I live in now. And then uh, I could have my little brother run my business for me, you know, for a percentage. Yeah. And then... uh I can go back to having a couple of days off and being a normal person again. Yeah, no, you do what you have to. You know, I was kind of 
kidding around commenting about the economy before, but you know, the way things are right now, it's like, like, yeah, retail sucks, but you know, it's a paycheck and it's a job that, you know, a lot of people would really love to have right now. So it's like, it's, 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 it's a weird balance of, I don't ever want to do this again to thank God I have this, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, because people are always going to need to buy stuff. It may not be as much stuff, but they're going to buy stuff. You know, it, it just like when once the economy went down, you know, people start cutting where they need to cut. And, you know, having somebody come out and detail their car or wash their car for them every week, that's something you can cut. So that's where I lost quite a bit of my business. Shall we uh, Shall we switch tracks and uh, take on a voicemail? Let's. Yeah. Where do you want to start? Oh, well, where do you want to start? That's the question. Oh, well, how about... Well, should we do the uh, the tease one first? Uh, yes, yes, let's do that one. Hey, guys, it's Chad, the guy that's doing the uh, documentary. Hey, I was just, just sitting here thinking at work. It's probably uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. I've already been here an hour. But uh, maybe you should do a episode or a long segment about... Uh, Green Lantern and other medias, like, uh, give your thoughts and opinions on, like, the Brightest Day episode of the, uh, of the Superman animated series, where it's, uh, Superman meets Kyle Rayner, so, that and, uh, maybe, uh, Green Lantern and other issues besides the Green Lantern storyline, for instance, his, uh, DC special and, uh, like any cover stories of uh, action comics you guys may have, stuff like that. Just a thought. Peace. Uh, all we'll say on that is listen after the credits tonight. You'll uh, you'll 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 hear something. You'll hear something. <laughs> Although before we move on from that, he did he brought up one thing. I I envy people who work night shifts. Like not not. Not how Jason necessarily does it, where you work in the day too, but for like for two summers, my store was open 24 hours. So my day would start, my workday would start at 10:30 at night and end at like seven in the morning, and that was perfect. Like that was that is the prime time when I'm like awake. That was, that was great. I, I will also add that. At some point, we will definitely be covering Green Lantern in other medias. Uh, and, and another thing I'll add, just recently I was actually reading one of those adventure, was it adventure or action comics that Green Lantern showed up in? Action Comics Weekly, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I was I was reading an issue of that, and, you know, like, obviously it's it's more geared towards Superman. So it's basically everybody else and Superman. So in this one issue that I just happened to be glancing through, basically the concept is Green Lantern goes up against this giant, like, energy monster creature kind of thing, and Green Lantern's big plan isn't to, like, hit it with something first, you know, that he creates with his ring. His first, you know, first idea is to fly directly into the thing. And, you know, he totally gets, you know, wiped out because of that. So he sends his ring to Superman to save him. Yeah, Superman comes and saves him. But, like, so you have that. So, like, okay, well, why why the heck would 
Green Lantern, who basically has, like, a ranged weapon, fly directly into something. And not even with a shield. He just, like, basically flew right into him. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to use myself as a human bullet. On top of that, the solution to the whole epi- the whole comic is that it's a bad guy with, like, you know, a, you know, a mad scientist machine, and they basically just pull the plug to take away his power. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when I talked about the, uh, the time Hal was chasing down some bad guys in a van, and they had the bullets painted yellow? That was from, I don't know if I still have it, but it was an Action Comic Weekly issue where, you know, I guess they give different, they give more chapters week to week and whatever. And it was like, it was this, like, the whole cover was just Hal Jordan in space. And I wish I could find it. Because I remember being a kid buying it thinking, like, oh, hey, Green Lantern, like, on Super Friends. And then being, like, weirded out, like, oh, yellow bullet, that's that's weird. (laughs) Yellow bullets. How did they know? That's right. That, so, is it common knowledge that yellow was his like Achilles heel? <laughs> I don't know. It's, I don't think it comes up that much, but it passes in like a newsletter. Like, hey, just so you guys know, yellow. <laughs> well, it seems like everybody knows about like kryptonite and the yellow weakness and. Right. I just remember uh, when you guys told me to read All Star Batman and Robin, <laughs> and. Uh, it was funny because I've always been like a really big Batman fan. And, you know, just within the last year or so, gotten into Green Lantern. And if I had read that before that, I'd have been like, oh, right, yeah, way to go, you know. And then, you know, being a Green Lantern fan now, I'm like, they made him look like such a punk. <laughs> uh, you know, that's not right. Come on, he would have totally done something different. Mm-hmm. It's just funny how my perspective changed on that. <laughs> yeah, but the real question is, would you like some lemonade? That was funny. Oh, what you call it? That that issue that you're talking about? That's yeah. uh, Action Comics number six zero eight. Is that the only one that has Hal on the cover? Oh, uh, well, that's that's the issue that has the uh, the yellow balls also. Yeah, that's it. I just I just googled the cover. That's it. Wonder what happened to that. Oh well. Anyway, let's see. Uh, well, we got one person on our message board. Give us a question. Uh, this is, I was gonna say Bilbo Mike again. <laughs> Biblio Mike. Like, yeah, Bibli, yeah. Alright. Uh, what is it about Green Lantern that keeps you reading? For my part, this is still him, even though I'm a total GL newbie, I am most fascinated by the idealism expressed in the concept of the core itself. It reminds me very much of the legends of King Arthur, a band of brave knights, admittedly far more diverse than those of the round table, called together to serve the greater good as they go questing, in quotes, across the galaxy's 3,600 sectors. The GL Oath harkens back towards the Oath of Fealty a knight would pledge his king. Uh, Even the uniforms can be an analog for medieval suits of armor. But as I say, beyond those external trappings, it's the Arthurian feel of the thing that really keeps me engaged. The GLC is the one brief shifting moment, and at least in the context of DCU, we're living in the thick of it. So what keeps you reading? Yeah, I probably would have cut it short at just that. <laughs> uh, for me, it's uh, it's the concept of willpower and imagination. 
Like, uh, like those, those two things I think are like the two most prevalent concepts in Green Lantern. Like you have to have willpower and at least with Kyle Rayner, it was always like, you know, his imagination is what, you know, he, he gained a lot of his power from to, to be able to come up with all those constructs. So I, you know, it's like that, it's such like when you boil it down to, to that, you know, it's, it's, ba- it's most basic elements. It's such an elegant concept. You know, a, a superhero that works entirely on willpower and imagination. And, you know, it's like, that, that, that's so cool. Everybody else, you know, they have their own motivations, but the Green Lantern is the one that, you know, really was, was my hero. Uh, I, I love that. Yeah, I'm, I've said this before. Like, I just, I love, love the concept of the core. Because, I mean, it's... It, like it's it's limitless storytelling potential. You take a power that tailors itself to your specific mind and your specific will, and like you give that to, like to hundreds and thousands of people all over the universe. Every last one of them has different personality, different history, different set of ideals. Comes from different walks of life, different classes, different races, and you just let them do with it what they will. And like there's there's literally no such thing as a story you can't tell with a Green Lantern. You know, it, plus, like I said before, I've been, like, devoting a lot of my life to art, and this is, like, the the powering is, like, pretty much my definition of art. You know, you're taking what's inside of you, and you're putting it on the outside in some form for other people to have a reaction to, be it a physical or emotional one, positive or negative. So it's, like... There's so many layers to even just like a ba- the basic concept of Green Lantern. That's part of the reason why I hate it when they only focus on stuff that's happening on Earth or only on Hal Jordan. Where it's like, oh no, no, go go into space, give me another world, build a culture, do something. I, I want to see it. I want to go like go explore it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, with me, you know, I just like good stories. You know, I just recently, within the last few years, got back into comics. And um, that's one thing that, you know, a lot of people were telling me was the Green Lantern story. And I just love the, the story behind it, the mythos of, like you were saying, Dan, the core and everything. And, you know, since I was a little kid, you know, I love Star Wars and the different creatures and the different aliens that were out there in outer space and all the different, you know, the different stories. When Like during the cantina, you know, I want to know everybody's backstory and where they're from and, you know, what kind of planet they come from and, you know, their adventures. And you can get a little bit of taste of that in the Green Lantern. Um, Kilowog is, like, one of my favorites. I, I love him. He's he's hilarious. And it's probably just because, you know, I'm a big guy, so I like the big guys. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he's really cool to me. I like the way he looks. Uh, he's a really interesting character. You know, I like the drill instructor aspect of it. But just, you know, good stories. It, it, it's, it's like you were saying, Dan, it's limitless on, on the stories that they can tell. So that gets me going back. I think this actually segues into uh, this another email we have, uh, another voicemail we have right here. Hey, Dan, Jim, Jason, this is Kyle from Facebook. Uh, we're calling in to wish you guys a happy uh, one-year anniversary, and uh, hopefully we'll get many more years of Lantern Cast awesomeness out of you guys. Um, I do have a question for you. Uh, besides, you know, the Green Lantern series, 
what other superheroes are you into? Uh, for instance, I happen to be a huge Blue Beetle fan, which I know is weird. I should clarify, that's, you know, either Dan Garrett or uh, Ted Cord, Jamie Reese, I pretty much don't acknowledge because, you know, he just seems like Spider-Man with a blue power armor. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, what what superheroes are you guys into, and you know what what's the reasoning behind it? I mean, what what drew you into them? Uh, be just interesting to know. Well, hope you guys uh, have a great episode and great episodes after, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. You know, you keep me entertained every week. So yeah. All right. Well, best of luck, guys. Later. Jason, you want to go first? Sure. For me, um, Batman has always been my favorite character. Um, I like the concept of a normal guy who, you know, just with hard work, dedication, puts his body and his mind to top physical and mental performance, um, sticking up for the, the people that can't stick up for themselves. Um, I, I've led a, a pretty rough childhood, and, uh, you know, I've always tried to use my size um, and, and stuff like that to help out people who uh, who other people pick on. I'm like the anti-bully. All the kids in my neighborhood when I was a teenager, when I was 17, I was probably about 6'6 six, six or 6'7. Six, Nobody messed with the kids in my neighborhood because they would have to deal with me. You know, I, I, there's, a, there's a kind of a funny story that goes along with that, too, uh, one day. Um, one of the kids, he uh, he was home alone after school until his parents got off of work. And this kid, he was uh, he was in sixth grade, and this other kid in the eighth grade in the middle school was kind of messing with him, showing up to his house. And um, he told me about it, and I told him, I said, well, you know, the next time he comes over, call me at, call me at my house, and, you know, I'll come over. He lived like four houses, five houses away. So he calls me up. He's like, hey, he's at my house. He's at my house. You know, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I'll be right there. So I, I start walking down the street, and, you know, this kid's banging on my friend's door, call him all kinds of names and tell him to come out and he's going to beat him up and stuff. And there's like a semicircle of the neighborhood kids kind of just watching. And as I start walking up, they they see me, you know, the kids that were watching kind of see me, and they kind of all back up. And so I'm standing right behind this guy, this eighth grader. Like I said, I was about 16 or 17. And he doesn't know I'm standing right behind him. My friend, he's looking through the window and he kind of cracks open the door. And the kid said to him, he's like, yeah, you, you finally opened the door, I'm going to beat your ass. And he's like, never my friend, I was telling you about, you know, like six, seven. Like, yeah, you you know, you were full of crap, you know, da, da, da. So, uh, why don't you take a look behind you? And the look on this kid's face turned around and then looked up. I mean, it was just absolutely priceless. <laughs> and, you know, I had a few choice words for him that uh, I won't repeat on the Lantern cast. <laughs> and, uh pretty much told him if anything happens to my friend at school or anywhere else, I was going to hold him personally responsible. So, you know, while they're at school, he's his new bodyguard at school, and he's going to make sure nothing happens because if anything happens to him, if anybody messes with him, then I'll find him. <laughs> and uh, I'll teach him a thing or two. I, I, you know, I asked him if he understood where I was coming from, and he shook his head yes, and I told him he could leave. So yeah. uh, at that point, you know, he left with his tail between his legs and, I said, was never messed with again at school. I have an older brother who's five years older than me and who never really wanted to hang out with me or anything like that. I was the annoying little brother. 
So, you know, I kind of remembered that, and I kind of hung out with all the kids in the neighborhood, kind of took them under my wing, you know, and just, you know, because you always want to hang out with the older kids, you know, then you feel cool and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I took care of the kids in the neighborhood. Wow. But, you know, Batman was always, you know, he's just a normal guy, and, you know, he has a code, and he uses fear, and I happen to be able to use fear from time to time to get what I want. So, uh, yeah, it's always been Batman. Nice. I absolutely fell in love with uh, the animated series back in the day. Yeah, that that series was fantastic. I was actually just thinking about that, like, I think earlier today, how, like, what, Kevin Conroy is, like, my my favorite Batman. Oh, absolutely. He is Batman. I mean, that voice was just awesome. I'm, I still find it a little off-putting when I hear him do the voice for things that aren't part of that series. Right. It's, like, it's like weird. It's like, uh-huh. this is... It's disconnected from the Conroy Batman, but it is the Conroy Batman. It's weird. <laughs> so, uh, how about you, Dan? Every now and then I'll find something like like that really interests me about a character. You know, like like I really love the love the Bart Allen Kid Flash. You know, like like I never read him when he had the impulse thing going on. I thought about it a few times, but never did it. I hear good things for anybody who read it. It's early Ethan Van Sciver artwork. Uh, but I just like how, almost more so than any other DC character, the Flash is 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 synonymous with legacy. So all of a sudden, here comes this this new addition to that legacy, and it's like it's like you know going in, this character, this kid is going to do great things, is going to turn into something really huge. Like at some point in his publishing life, so, and it it just becomes fun to be like, okay, you had Jay Garrick in the '40s, you had Barry Allen in the '50s or '60s, you had, I guess '50s, and you had you've had Wally West since the late '80s, but now here's here's the newest addition to that family you can follow from day one, and it's just so interesting to me, and I know a lot of people who loved him as Impulse, don't like where they've taken his character, and that's notwithstanding the whole, like, make him an adult for no reason thing. But I don't know, it's, it's just fun to watch this character grow, because it's like, this is someone that they're actually letting, and in some ways I think encouraging, to have him, ch- like, grow and change, and not just stay static forever, which is is one of the things that can really get to you about comics, how the characters are the same forever. And like this, it's it's like, it's almost a given that that's not going to be the case. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to the one he mentioned in his, in his email, uh, in his voicemail. The, the Blue Beetle, the current Blue Beetle, the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle, I, you, you didn't specify if, like, how much you've read or if you've read any of his series or, anything, but if you haven't, give it a shot, because the Keith Giffen, John Rogers run on that book is just so good. And, like, like if you if you read the first 25 issues of it, by the end you realize you've been reading one big story. And, like, even when Giffen leaves it, and it becomes all John Rogers, like, it's it still stays really, really high quality. And, I mean, I can understand the whole death of Ted Cord leaving a bad taste in your mouth and whatever, like, that's perfectly understandable. But, like, take it as someone who was along for the ride, they, how to say it, like, they stay respectful of 
everything and everyone that came before this kid. Uh, it's just really good sci-fi fun, you know. And yeah, there there is the Spider-Man thing, which you know, it's it's not limited to that surface level kind of kind of definition. It's it's worth a shot if you can find the trades. I think it's the first four trades. If you can find them cheap, then go for it. Give it a shot. I, I can kind of see where he's coming from, though, on that Blue Beetle point, because, like, he's so different than the new, was it Jaime Reyes? Yeah. He's he's so different than the previous Blue Beetles that, you know, like, if you were a fan of the previous Blue Beetles, then there's really, there's not, like, anything to grasp onto this new character that's like, oh, yeah, this is just like, you know, the legacy of the Blue Beetles. It's like, no. And, you know, even if they stay, you know, like, respectful of the past, like, by his very creation, it's like not being respectful of the past because of what they are doing with the character. That, you, have have you ever read the series? Yes, I, I actually, I've read, like, I read a few issues here and there throughout the series, and... And, you know, I mean, like, I, I won't say that I dislike it because, I, you know, like, I, I'm saying I can see where he's coming from. Like, you know, I, I think it's good that they are, like, you know, there are some people that are trying to put new characters into DC and Marvel. Because a lot of people don't want to because then it's like, you know, it's owned by DC. And why would they want to give DC a character when they can just create it, you know, in a creator-owned type setting? So, like... From that perspective, like, you know, same thing with Impulse. You know, regardless of what you think about Impulse, it's good that they're coming up with a character like Impulse. Um, you know, like, I I can understand where he's coming from as far as not liking Blue Beetle. But by the same token, like, I do think it's good that they are, you know, coming up with new characters like that. So, you know, I mean, I see it from both perspectives, I'm saying. Like, if you read any, like, I don't say any, but if you read, like, issues back-to-back or in order or whatever, you, you'll you see, like, this kid flat out, like, he understands, okay, there were Blue Beetles before me, and there's probably going to be Blue Beetles after me. So, like, he's very aware of the legacy, and the legacy is important to him. Like, he spends a lot of time trying to learn from, like, learn about the the past Blue Beetles, learn what he can from them, from their friends. Like, uh, I forget, he, it's either a book te- that Ted Cord wrote, or it's an old journal he got a hold of, or whatever. Like, he's trying to learn everything he can about the way Ted Cord did the job, and, like, get in Ted Cord's head. And he's got, he spends a lot of time with Dan Garrett's, uh, is it daughter or granddaughter? I guess it would be granddaughter. And, like, just learning, like, trying to figure out, like, okay, how did he, like, how did he do this job? Like, what was it about this that worked for him? Like, like what was it like being the Blue Beetle when he did it? What did it mean to him? And at the same time, they're exploring, like, like all right, how... Because, I, I mean, frankly, if you just look at the new Blue Beetle and you see this, like, armored thing, you're like, where the hell did this even come from? Like, it's so... Like, like what, what, what are they doing? There's there is an in-story explanation for it that makes sense, and like if you can if you get to the end of the Giffen Rogers run or the, at the end of the Rogers run because Giffen had gone already, like you'll get that 
and it ties it back perfectly to like the original Blue Beetle stories about Dan Garrett from back in the God, what was it, forties, thirties, late thirties? So so basically what you're saying is you have to read twenty five issues and then finally you'll see how it all connects. It's like you're reading a bunch of standalone issues or like some little some unconnected story arcs, whatever. And then you get further and you start to realize, okay, I'm reading an overall story arc here. And then by the time you get to the end, you start to see all of the threads from the entire series up to that point just come together nicely in this one big, what could really be the climax for the entire series if they wanted it to be. It's just a really nice ride, and it's it works. Is is the only the way I can think to describe it. It just works. I may have to go back and reread the whole thing. That's kind of similar to I don't know if you guys watched the show Fringe. It started last season, and you know you watch the first five or six episodes. You're like, yeah, it's cool and all. You know, it's got some crazy stuff, but you know, there's not really one overall arcing story. And then once you get towards the end of the season, you realize that everything was all interconnected, and there was hints from the very beginning that everything was interconnected. And then once you watch the the older, the, the newer episodes, the older episodes make a lot more sense. Yeah, that's one where, like, when it debuted, everyone hated it. And lately, I just keep hearing people recommend it left and right. <laughs> I, I watched that at the beginning. Like, I think I watched, like, the first seven episodes or so. And then we missed one episode. And it was kind of like, well, we missed that episode, so... You know, we can't watch this next episode until we see that one, and then we just stop watching. You're going to be a terrible parent someday. You're going to be like, yeah, we 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 picked little little Johnny up from school, like, the first three days of the week. Then we just kind of forgot the fourth day and figured, eh, we can always have another kid. Oh, lovely. Uh, so, so my favorite other characters, I'm going to say Wave Rider. I always love the character Wave Rider. Uh, You're the one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just interesting, a character that can, you know, travel through time and just touch somebody and see all their possible futures, you know, and, and alternate timelines. Makes for some really, you know, fun, interesting stories. Um, and then the other big one is Superman. Like, I, I basically, you know, fall in and out of interest with Superman depending on, you know, how the stories go. Um, but yeah, Superman's always been, you know, a, a big one for me. That's why I, I'm always a big fan, like, when they give Superman a Green Lantern ring. It's like, you know, it's like merging peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah, you don't, you don't hear Superman on too many favorite character lists. It's weird. He's difficult to write, and, you know, they don't always get it right. Yeah. I think getting more into his extended family, like, Power Girl, really good character. Like, her current book, like, like I think, uh, for the Amanda Connor artwork, perfect. But, like, the writing is good. It, it, it's Graham Palmiotti. Like, they seem to have this problem writing fight scene dialogue, where it's just kind of awkward, you know? Like, there's talking when there really shouldn't be talking, you know? But, like, I mean, it's almost worth it, like... I haven't had an issue of this thing. I haven't read an issue of this thing that's flat out bad. Because even if the entire issue seems like it sucks from a story point, there'll be, like, one page of her interacting with the new Terra 
where it's just it's just so it's just so awesome. It's just like they have like this such a great believable friendship that it's it's they just have like this little montage page of them hanging out throughout the day and it's just it's quirky <laughs> and it's just it it's it just makes you smile. It's just fun. Oh man. I picked up the the first issue of that series and I mean it's good but it wasn't good enough for me to keep buying on a regular basis. Maybe in trade, but issue four. I'm I'm telling you right now, issue two and three rolled around, and I thought to myself, uh, is this gonna be one of those where I have to choose if I want to just get for the artwork? And then issue four was like way better than the first three. It's a completely, it's just like a standalone issue, kind of, and it's just. I, I would tell people skip the first three, just get four. <laughs> Oh, nice. And there are obviously there's lots of other characters we really like, but we could talk forever on that. Yeah. Um, and I know you're itching to talk about that. Speaking of other characters, there it's floating around that uh, Evan Hayes or oh how what how do you say his name again? I can't quite remember. <laughs> I say it Ivan Reese. Yes, and oh, wait, I no, I say it Ivan Reyes. Do you? No, you don't. You've said Reese. Reese. I, I don't know anymore. <laughs> Ivan Just Reese. Come over to our side. Come over to our I, side. Just I, do it. Ivan Reese it is. No. Uh-huh. Evan Hayes, that's right. Yeah. Um, it's floating around that that guy and Jeff Johns have a new project coming up through DC. And uh, all Dan DiDio will say is that it's a character that has a one-word name, and it's not Aquaman. So who do we think it is? Oh, it's not Aquaman. It's not Aquaman. The like, in the interview, he was even asked like, "Is it Aquaman?" He's like, "No, we have we don't know what we want to do with him yet, or something like that." I think. Oh wait a second! It could be the Atom. That's what I was thinking too. Although, like, like how successful was that? Uh, the last Atom series with uh, Ryan Choi. Uh, well, that one. I, that one I don't think was very successful, but uh, on the one hand, I don't think many people like really caught on with his character. But on the other hand, like with uh, Ray Palmer, I think like with them, you know, featuring him in Blackest Night, I think they're like trying to like guide him to uh, a higher role in the DCU. Because I mean, realistically, I would love to see them on an Aquaman book. Yeah. Or, hell, even a Mera book, maybe, at this point, or Dove, or yeah. somebody. the Mera, that, that's that's another thing that I was thinking. But realistically, it's probably going to end up being, like, the Atom, or, you know, maybe Hawkman, or, like, Firestorm would be awesome, but... Mm. Oh, come on. You, tell, you can't tell me you don't want a Jeff Johns, Ivan Reyes, or... God damn, yeah. I did, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 means nothing. Jeez, that stays. <laughs> Fine. Uh, oh, man. Um, yeah, no, like, without a doubt, like, if they did a Firestorm book, I'm sure that it would be great. I just don't see them doing a Firestorm book, considering that the last one just kind of, like, fizzled out. I mean, like, yeah, okay, I I think that Jeff Johns could write a Firestorm book that people will, you know, actually want to pick up in, in droves. Um, 
but you know that's that's me believing in Jeff Johns. You know, as in like he can barely do any wrong at all. Um, I I don't think that they would do that though. And a lot of people were thinking the Flash, except they've already announced the creative teams over there. It's gonna like Johns is writing the Flash ongoing if it ever you know starts. And uh, Francis Manipal, who's doing the uh, adventure comics with them on the Superboy stuff, he's gonna be the artist there. And uh, what's his name? Scott Collins is doing the backup or co-feature. Uh, some, so what I thought would be cool, except the two, it's two words with Martian Manhunter. Like, I would love, I like, I would like to see Johns explore that character more. No, no, I, I don't need to know about that character. Oh, you're you're racist against Martians. <laughs> you're oh, alienating any potential Martian listeners. This, the, you know, the <laughs> podcast could get beamed into space someday. You don't know. Um. You know, like, I think Martian Manhunter, like, a lot of people say that the problems that they have with Superman is that he's too powerful, and that, like, it requires, like, you know, very skilled writers to to write good stories to actually be able to give him challenges. I think with Martian Manhunter, it's like taking Superman and then, like, giving Superman, like, tel- telepathy powers and letting him phase through things and change his, his shape. It's like you're taking Superman and amping him up to give him even more powers. It's like, well, if Superman was difficult to write for, then, like, you know, writing for the Martian Manhunter must be that much more difficult. Oh, but Johns could do it. Come on. I mean, Johns can do anything. But, I mean, like, why not reserve him for something, you know, like, re- that really would... You know, it's something that people... Oh, well, what if they do a Necron series? They're not going to do a Necron series. That would be cool. Although they gave Magog a book, so anything could happen. (laughs) Maybe they'll take over Magog, (laughs) and we'll have to follow it. (laughs) You know, at this point, like, I'd probably be interested in uh, an Ivan Reese, Jeff Johns, Mera book. I think that would be good. Me too. Well, the other thing that I'm thinking is, like, maybe it is Aquaman. I hope so. Honestly, I hope it is. It's like, whenever I hear, like, oh, we don't know, we're not sure what to do with Aquaman, and my answer is, like, why isn't your automatic answer, well, let's give him to Jeff? Because, like, this, (laughs) people are automatically going to buy it, first of all. Second of all, he knows how to break down characters, get past the crap, and figure out what makes them awesome. Third. Just give him to Jeff. That's number three, too. Yeah, I mean, like, as as we all know that Aquaman is coming back. Like, one yeah. way or another, we don't know how, but one way or another that by next year, Aquaman will be alive again. So, like, if you're not going to give him to Jeff Johns, then, you know, and you don't know what you want to do with him yet, like, that's the... I would never admit that. That's like... Yeah, we we got this like super character that you know we we are prominently featuring in our major crossover. We're gonna bring him back to life for next year, but oh yeah, we have no idea what we're gonna do with him. We have no plan whatsoever. Uh, is it will give we'll throw him a series. It'll get canceled in you know twenty issues, and you know then in a couple of years we'll try again. I mean, I picture them sticking him in the Justice League or something, but like. Ah, I don't know. 
you have your arguably most popular writer who specializes in doing this exact thing. So why <laughs> won't you just give him Aquaman? <laughs> Unless Jeff Johns doesn't want Aquaman. He wants Aquaman. He's been saying for, like, over a year, like, I want to do an Aquaman book. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. Um, let's see. What, all right, let's, 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 let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> um, we've... All right, let's, let's bring it back to Green Lantern a little bit. Hey, Jimmy Dan. Um, my name's Telecron. I'm a really big fan of your show. Um, I just wanted to, um, tell you guys how great you were doing. Although I do have one point of improvement for you. I feel you guys should be covering the movie more. Uh, as big as it's getting, um, Ryan Reynolds being in it and all that and all this news coming out. You know, they've gotten rumors about Sinestro. You really should be covering that as well as all the merchandising stuff that you cover and the comics. Um, while I'm here, I'm also going to throw out some free pimping for myself if you don't edit me out. Um... And I'm going to pimp the podcast of Mercs and Mutants, starring myself and Matthew Hammock. It's a Deadpool and Cable podcast. And um, anybody out there who's a Green Lantern and a Deadpool fan um, can listen to it, and you'd have a great time. Uh, thanks a lot, Jim and Dan. Um, love your show. Keep the good work up. All right. So, yeah, we really haven't talked about the movie. Nope. Um, I'm not I'm not a huge movie guy, and... That just means, like, like I don't usually sift through, like, rumors and late-breaking whatever. But, I don't know, I, I guess we kind of should be for this, since this is kind of, this is, this isn't our backyard, backyard ballpark. What's, what's the one am I thinking of? Wheelhouse, that's the one. I knew it was some out there, colloquialism. Alright, so, <laughs> the, the Green Lantern movie. <laughs> Alright, so where to start here? Uh, Alright, everybody knows that Ryan Reynolds was cast as Hal Jordan. Um, everybody knows that? Every, everybody does. Do you know that? Did I just blow your mind right now? No, I mean, I do. I think if you're listening to this podcast, they probably know. Maybe. Well, they do now. Alright, well, you know what? They know now. Breaking news. This is, this is, <laughs> this is a Lantern Cats exclusive. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if everybody knows that, like, the other... I'm per, I think there were three of them all together, but I don't remember the other guy. But, uh, the other person in consideration for the role was Justin Timberlake. Really? Yeah, I remember that. Yep. Yeah. I remember, like, two others. I remember, uh, Nathan Fillion from, uh, Firefly. He was a possibility, and the other one was, uh, the dude from The Hangover. Steve Carell? No. What the hangover? That would be that would be awesome. <laughs> That'd be funny. Um, oh wait, no. I'm thinking of the other guy from The Daily Show. Who is that? Ed Helms? No, 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 is no. He, in the hangover? he was. What the hell is in The Hangover? Um, yeah, Bradley Cooper was the other possibility. So out of those three, and not counting Steve Carell. Do you think this was the best choice? Which I can't say at all, because I've never seen a serious Ryan Reynolds movie, so I don't know how well he does serious. Or I should say serious enough. Yeah, I, I, I know that Ryan Reynolds will definitely do an awesome job. I have no doubt. Um, I'm glad that they didn't give it to Bradley Cooper, because, like, 
I think every role that I see him in, he plays like like super cocky, but like to the extreme that he's no longer likable. Whereas with Hal Jordan, like I always see Hal as like he's cocky, but like you can still root for him. You know what I'm saying? I think Ryan Reynolds definitely has that. And I but the other thing is like I think Nathan Fillion like also really would have done a great job. Is that his real name or is that a character he played? I can't remember. That's his real name. Is it? It sounds like a character's name. No, his his name is Nathan Fillion. What was his like what was his character on Firefly? Oh. Um I think I've always thought that was his character's name. Yeah, no, his character's name was uh, Captain Malcolm Reynolds. That's close. No, it's not. No, not really. <laughs> uh, I'm not uh, familiar enough with the other potential guys to really know if they would have done a better job or not. I haven't really seen much of their work, but um, I think Ryan Reynolds would do a pretty good job. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those where, like, I want to see it, you know? I want to... I, I, I'm a little wary because I prefer a no-name. Because, like, I feel like then I won't be able to associate them with anything but Hal Jordan, you know? Like, I used to watch Smallville the first couple seasons, and part of the reason I could I really bought, you know, Tom Welling as Clark Kent was because, like, he did a good job, and this is the first time I had ever seen or heard of him before. So, like... I had no preconceptions, like, okay, that's Clark Kent. Same with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. And same with, uh, you know, this this probably seems like an odd one to throw in there, but before seeing Iron Man, I'd never seen Robert Downey Jr. in anything before. So, you know, when really? people were... Yeah. When, <laughs> so when, 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 pe- when people were complaining, like, oh, he's his, his Tony Stark, that's just him being him. I'm like, well, all right, it works for me. That's that. He is Tony Stark, though, so that's why it fit. You've never seen Robert Downey Jr. in anything before? <laughs> no, as far as I know, I mean, I, I don't think I have. If I have, it wasn't memorable at all. <laughs> Weird science. Uh, I've I've seen the occasional like few minutes of it because like it would used to be on TV on Sundays all the time. Oh my Natural god! Natural born killers. Natural born killers. Nope. Wow. Air America? Nope. How old are you? I'm 26. I'm old. <laughs> no, nah, nah, I mean, I have I have friends, like, my age and younger who have seen, like, boatloads of, the, of movies that I couldn't even tell you the names of, but it's like, I don't know, I've, I've just never been, like, a big movie person. Um, let's see. The screenplay for this thing is being co-written by Mark Guggenheim. So we got a comic guy on the inside right there. Uh, director is Martin Campbell. And this struck me when I found out. The budget is... What did I write down here? $150 million. Like, this has the same budget Watchmen did. It's getting a lot of special effects. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I read... Um, uh, I, didn't write, I didn't take a note of which one of these guys said it. It might have been Guggenheim. The question came up of, why now? Like, why now for a Green Lantern movie? And one of the big reasons was they wanted to wait until effect work and, like, CGI got to the point that it could support this kind of character and this kind of superpower. So, you know, they were, they were at least thinking about that. Because you, you have to be kind of spot on with the quality of your computer-generated stuff, 
Otherwise, a Green Lantern movie can go from cool to hokey crap <laughs> in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. It has a working title of Emerald Dawn, uh, all indications, and this this is the part that might fall closer to rumor than fact, is that they're going to be borrowing fairly heavily from the uh, Emerald Dawn miniseries with uh, you know, the Legion robot and all that. Uh, the current, I say I stress the word current because it's changed a lot, release date is slated for June of 2011. And yeah, I kind of expect that to change a few more times because up until recently they were shooting in Australia, uh, but they had to leave. <laughs> so they're, they're uh, looking to relocate to Mexico or Canada. Oh, and yeah, yeah. And does does either of you know what like the the quote unquote Australian dollar is called? Because I don't. Oh, I yeah. It's isn't it like the the Aussie chip? I that sounds like it could be fake. I yeah, don't know. That, that, it, it is. It's that's that's what you call French fries at the outback. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to call it the Australian dollar with air quotes. So uh... the. Before the economy tanked, the U.S. dollar was really good, really strong, up against the the Australian dollar, <laughs> and so like it was really cheap to film in Australia. And then Wall Street did its thing, and all of a sudden it that just flipped on its ear. So they had to pick up and move. You know something something that I'm wondering in all of this is will this movie be pushed back again, and will, like, ba- I guess basically, will what we have now stick, and will this movie get made as is, or is this going- thing going to be restructured and rescheduled? Because, I mean, alright, a few months ago, is it months? I don't know, a while ago, uh, they an- DC announced the formation of DC Entertainment, which is basically kind of a subdivision of Warner Brothers, is going to deal exclusively with adapting DC characters into other media like movies and TV and video games and feedy pajamas and whatever. So it makes me think, like, and, and, and they've come out and said, like, they're going to save pretty much all of their announcements for next year to coincide with DC's 75th anniversary. It makes me think, you know, are they going to kind of pull back in their, their uh, existing franchises that really haven't gotten off the ground yet? And just re- restructure them and like do something different with them or approach them in a different way. Because the one, the thing that keeps kind of nagging at the back of my mind about this Green Lantern movie is how it, if we keep getting so relatively close to the release date, when there's almost no information out there about it. I mean, it's so weird to me that we know exactly one cast member, you know? And now we find that they have to pick up and move, change where they're shooting, and it just happens to coincide with with uh, this big DC Entertainment overhaul. So, I mean, part of me wouldn't be surprised if we found out tomorrow that, oh, by the way, the Green Lantern movie as is isn't going to happen. We're going to, we're kind of, we're pulling it in, we're going to change some things, recast it, and go from there. Um, I think that they might push it back again, just because I think that the post-production is going to take a long time to, if they're going to do it, if they're going to get it done right. 
Um, but I don't really think they would recast. I mean, they've only, like you said, only cast one position. And uh, I don't know if they'd really recast that. But I, I think they're kind of anxious to, to try and catch up with Marvel's already got a way head start on them. Oh, yeah. And that's like, that's, that's part of the reason, because I mean, uh, I didn't write down who, who was through, but it's, I don't think they're making this movie themselves, are they? Or is it through? No, I know. No, they're probably making it. Okay, no. Yeah, no, I think what I saw was they were, they were filming on a Fox studio, but it wasn't Fox that's making it. Yeah, I mean, uh, we also gotta figure that Warner Brothers is gonna be in the need of some major franchises now that Harry Potter's gonna be done. Once uh, the last movie comes out, true, and that's also that's tied to this because uh, Diane Nielsen, Nelson, Diane Nelson, uh, she's the one who's heading up DC Entertainment, and she is the person who was kind of she was she was handling the adaptation of the Harry Potter franchise from books to films since 2000, and she was keeping J.K. Rowling happy the whole time, so she's you know, she knows how to do this, and they've got Paul Levitz as a consultant who, you know, he's he's been involved with DC Comics since he was a teenager. You know, he wrote Legion of Superheroes when he was, like, 13 years old, and he eventually became editor-in-chief since, like, 2002 or so. So, like, they have enough good people as resources for this who should know how to do what needs to be done. It's just, it's a weird time. Like, this movie is coming at a kind of turbulent time for DC stuff. Is Paul Levitt still with the company? He is. He, he is, what are they, what's he doing? He's, well, he's going to be replacing Johns as the writer of Adventure Comics. I know that. He's, I mean, they've alluded that he'll be writing some other books. He's going to be a contributing editor, which, you know, I don't know what that means exactly. And he's going to be the uh, the uh, kind of official consultant for DC Entertainment. Because I know some people, including my friend Rob, thought he was fired. But he's he's still with them. He's still with them. He's just not in charge anymore, which you know, I'm I'm sure kind of sucks for him. But yeah, I don't know. I hope I hope this I hope this gives him freedom to be creative. You know. Um. What do you call it? Like all all I want to add is that we're so far away from this movie actually, you know, coming out. That, like, basically anything could happen at this point. Like you said, you know, it, it it could get pushed up, it could get pushed back, they may switch to a different department, they may recast it. A million different things could happen. Like, right now, I think they were talking about um, the, the dude that played Rorschach to play Sinestro as a possibility. Yes, Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, I mean, that would be, oh, I think that would be awesome. But, I mean, like, that may happen, that may not happen. We have no idea. So, I mean, like, we haven't talked about the movie that much, mainly because, like, it's still at a stage where there's not a whole lot for us to really, you know, dive into. I mean, hell, they they recently, like, came out with, I assume this is a rumor, that there's going to be... Like Superman is going to be doing kind of like a Nick Fury esque cameo somewhere in there, like possibly after the credits. Yeah, which which could be cool to tie it to get tie things together. I, it 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 kind of sucks that they're 
they're they would be doing essentially exactly what Marvel's doing then. But you know, realistically, this is what they, DC should have been doing. Well, DC and Warner Brothers should have been doing for the last several decades. So if it takes copying Marvel to do it, then copy Marvel, damn it. You know what's what's kind of funny. In my own my own uh, off air circle of friends here, uh, my friend Rob he loves Watchmen. Jack Earl Haley played Rorschach. My other friend Jeremy loves horror movies like Nightmare on Elm Street. Jackie Earl Haley is playing uh, Freddy Krueger in the upcoming remake. And I love Green Lantern. And now he's probably gonna play Sinestro. So it's like it's like a perfect storm of everything we love. <laughs> and if you listen to Not Quite Radio, you would have heard that on the previous episode. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Sucks for me. Nah. <laughs> yeah, don't support your co host or anything, Jesus. Listen, I totally would. I totally would, but like it's not that I have anything against your podcast. I just don't have the time to listen to any other podcast right now. Yeah, you know what? Come January, this wedding stuff is gonna be over. And you're gonna have some free yeah. time, so, so I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be be coming back to this. <laughs> you do that, yeah. please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I listened to your well, I didn't listen to it yet, but I downloaded your appearance on uh, Corwin's show, so yeah, it's there. I'd say definitely listen to that because that's like that's an epic episode, and not because of me. Oh, I I assume not because I mean we have you now, and look at this. <laughs> I, exactly. I just kind of exist. You just sit in the chair talking about Green Lantern anyway. Eventually, somebody turns on a mic. <laughs> <and covers it. laughs> it's funny because that's what happens. Oh man, <laughs> do we have one more voicemail? Uh, no. No. Oh yes. Yeah, let's play that. We'll play that one after the musical interlude. All right. Do we have anything that we wanted to discuss or talk about or Well I have I have one more thing written down. Uh oh. No 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 no. It's it's not bad ne- well necessarily. Uh that means it's gonna be bad. Not not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> this is something like like I have I have I have no faith whatsoever. <laughs> I already told you what this is, shut up. <laughs> like this is something like we haven't talked about this on or off air and it happened like weeks and weeks, maybe a month. I don't know I don't know when this was. But you went to the Big Apple Con. I did. How was that? Good. Cool. <laughs> oh, did you did you want more details? Yeah, because like, all right, all right. Let me let me send you into a story. Jim went on Joe Q's dime. Go. Oh. What happened? Okay. Yeah. So Lauren's coworker is. Uh, married to a guy that coaches Joe Q on baseball. And, you know, he, I guess they, they're, you know, friendly. So Joe Q, like, uh, you know, offered to give him tickets if he wanted to go to the convention. So, you know, he he ended up going. He took his wife, and he also was able to get a pair of tickets for me and Lauren. So me and Lauren went to, and uh, it was cool. It was nice. You know, we got to, you know, check out the whole con. Meet a couple of creators, uh, get a few, you know, cheapo comics in the 50 cent bins. And, oh yeah, I got to take my photo with, uh, Helen Slater, who was Supergirl in the Supergirl movie. Huh. Cool. 
So, like, what... Because, I mean, obviously everybody's talking now about the whole, you know, them scheduling at the same time as the New York Comic Con next year thing. Like, what... Like, how was... Like, how was this con? Because, I mean, Jeremy and Rob went. I didn't get to go just because of work. And they can, they have, like, really almost all positive things to say about it. So, like, which kind of took me off guard. But, like, like what did you think of it at, overall as a convention? Okay, well, I've been to a few Big Apple conventions before. Now, if you're going to compare this convention to that, then this was much better. It was a lot bigger. It was a lot like, cleaner, it didn't look like everything was falling apart, like, you know, it, it actually felt like a convention. The The Big Apple Con always kind of seemed like it was in, like, uh, it, it was on, like, I don't know, the second or third floor of a hotel, but it always seemed like it was in, like, a basement-type area. You gotta, like, you know, wander, wander around, um, you know, going around giant pillars and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it's the 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 feel of it is so much nicer now. They had a lot of big names. Um, they had a lot of uh, media stars. They had a lot of vendors selling cheap comics. Uh, it was nice, you know. It, it was it was definitely like a vast improvement over what they've done in the past uh, for the Big Apple Con. Now that it's hosted by Wizard, however. If you're going to compare this con, this convention to the, uh, you know, New York Comic Con, I, there's like, there's no contest. New York Comic Con is so much better. Uh, if you're into comics, like, it, it doesn't even hold a candle. Like, when you go to New York Comic Con, there's like, you know, aisle after aisle after aisle of Artist Alley. There's like a ton of, of vendors there. And then you have, like, all the companies that are showing as well. Like, you know, Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image. Yeah, everybody's at the New York Comic Con. I mean, while Big Apple was was fun, you know, like, if you're going to make people choose, it, it's it's idiotic. It's absolutely idiotic to make people choose. You know, and it, it all it is is, like, you know, Wizards saying, hey, you know, we're going to challenge you and... See who does better. And I mean, like, why would you do that? Like, you, you schedule it, like, a month apart or two months apart or so, and everybody that's going to one convention is going to go to the other convention. But, like, because they have this grudge, they are scheduling it at the same time. It's, like, it's the stupidest thing to me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like you, like, because I lived in Manhattan for four years, I went to, like, a couple Big Apples, you know, I, I mean, seriously, it is like, like, you find out, oh, there's a comic convention happening this weekend. Eh, I'll go. Why not? And you wander around, and it's not the greatest thing in the world, and but still, you have you have fun, and you know, next time they have one, yeah, sure, I'll I'll go check it out for a day. But I mean, just it's 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 putting it's it's creating competition when it's absolutely unnecessary, when both sides could have been benefiting equally from different dates. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm going to to the New York Comic Con regardless. And and this is one of those where it's just, like, the Big Apple Con has been just so universally lambasted by everyone on the internet ever since the date was announced. So I've been, I've been trying to look into it and, like, seeing, like, okay, 
Like, is this guy, I think his name's Garib Seamus, that sounds like such a fake name to me. I've just seen, like, okay, is this guy really that bad? And, like, I'm not going to go on, like, a tirade about all specific things. I've already done that somewhere online before. But he just sounds like such a jerk. It's like, I don't want to give him my money, you know? <laughs> Even if they move the the dates, I wouldn't go to Big Apple. You know, it's like, it's the kind of thing where... There's been things on both sides. You know, like, Reed, the Reed Company that does the New York Comic Con is not completely innocent. And, like, they have done things, you know, to provoke. But, you know, you know, it's like by the same token. It's like, okay, well, if you're going to go, you know, they, they send people into the Wizard Comic Convention, you know, the Big Apple Con you know, to, like, kind of scope it out and things like that. And they were kicked out by by Wizard. Um, you know, I mean, like, but you would expect a convention to do that. You would expect Wizard to go to New York Comic Con and scope out that convention and, you know, see how it is. Because you want to improve it. Yeah, but it's completely lopsided, though. I mean, okay, so, so Reed sends people from the New York Con into Big Apple... To pass out flyers. Okay. Right. Yeah. Big Apple responds by scheduling its show on the same weekend as New York. Like, like that's that's like saying like like if I pinch you on the arm and then you take out a gun and shoot me. That's it's it's just so incredibly like overreacting. Well, I think. Well, okay. The other thing is that. Um, when Reed went to Chicago, you know, like, they were, you know, they were trying to, you know, build up, like, the, a giant Chicago convention. You know, like, something on par with New York or San Diego. And, you know, up until then, it was just, I, I guess, the, the Wizard World Chicago. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There might have been another convention before that, like, from another company that went out or something. But... I think, like, Reed basically got some of the big companies like Marvel and DC to sign exclusive waivers so that they would only be, you know, exhibiting at at uh, the Reed convention and not Wizard. So, I mean, like, you know, it's, like, if, you, if you're going to do a move like that, I understand, you know, what Reed is doing. Because they want to make themselves, like, you know, this is the, the Chicago convention to go to. But by the same token, like, you can't look at them as being completely innocent. Like, I, I think it is a completely ridiculous move to do. Um, and, you know, like, I, it's like, why, you know, like, like you said, why create a competition where, you know, if you had changed the date to, like, a month off, then, you know, you're just... It's the fans that lose out. It's really the fans that suffer. Because, okay, maybe there's going to be some people that go to both, you know, on that weekend. Like, you'll do a Saturday at one and a Sunday on the other. But, I mean, like, that's not reasonable. That's not realistic. And what about the creators who want to get a table at New York but can't, but they do get a table at Big Apple? Like, I'm sure they'll do some business. Maybe they'll break even for expenses or whatever, but, like, do you really think they're going to get, they're going to make a lot off of being at the Big Apple Con that weekend. No, no, I, I think I think the Big Apple Con is gonna do well for media guests. But if you're a comic fan, 
you're going to be going to the New York Comic Con for your your comic fix. Yeah, especially since like if you have any interest in anime or manga whatsoever, the New York Anime Festival that Reed also runs has been merged with the New York Comic Con. <laughs> it's they're taking up 100% of the Javits Center this year. And one ticket gets you access to everything. So it's like you're getting two cons for the price of one, literally. Or you could go down the road and pay slightly less for what is, like, essentially, I don't know, a half of one con? I don't know. It just... If they if they made it, like, you know, just a little bit earlier, a little bit later, then, you know, I would have given them my money. Because it was a good convention, and it's it's fun to go to to a convention. But like that weekend, I already have a convention to go to, so they're gonna miss out on my money. Yeah, and even if they do put on a perfectly good show, they're just like like this one scheduling move, regardless of where it came from, is putting such a bad taste in everyone's mouths, including my own. That like, I mean, honestly, if if okay, if New York is the beginning of the month and Big Apple was the end of the same month. I would definitely be going to New York, and if I could, if I could swing it, I would get, I would go up to Big Apple for a day if I could get off. But like now, it's like I don't even really want to, like, because I mean, I'm assuming that they're going to change the dates because I, I hope that Garab Jameis isn't that isn't stupid enough to keep them. But like, I don't even if he does, like, I'm I'm just not interested in going anymore. Yeah, you know, I think they're they're kind of banking on the fact that it's not going to be the fans that know about this whole, you know, convention versus convention. I think they're banking on the fact that just like regular people who have, you know, a slight interest in seeing, you know, the kid from Different Strokes or, you know, the car from Back to the Future, like, you know, or William Shatner. You know, that that's the kind of people that they're going after, even though William Shatner decided to skip out in the entire Saturday. Yeah, they have a picture online of, like, this huge list of uh, last-minute cancellations. I bet Jason doesn't go to either show. <laughs> but if you want to hear... I'm going to plug it, and I don't care. <laughs> if, if you want to hear a more positive take on the most recent Big Apple Con... You can go to notquiteradio.com and you'll you'll hear, you know, Jeremy and Rob got some interviews with people like Ernie Hudson, who was Winston in the Ghostbuster movies uh, and the the recent video games. He talked about the upcoming Ghostbusters three, which is apparently a lot more likely than anybody thinks. Um, pulling up the list now, Tom Noonan, he was uh, the villain in RoboCop two. Uh, he was in X Files: Last Action Hero. Uh, you got John Billingsley and Eric Avari, both from the Stargate franchise. Kathy Najimy, who did the voice of Peggy Hill on King of the Hill, which is a really good show. I'm sorry, I'm sorry that ended. What'd you go? Lauren actually got a photo with her. Really? Did you get, did, like? Did you get her to talk in the Peggy Hill voice? Because they didn't, and I was like, I was disappointed in that. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, go to notquiteradio.com or iTunes. Have we talked enough? I think we have. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> oh boy. Let's uh let's just take a break and we'll come back with the closing of the show and then another little special treat after the closing.
Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. nudge. <laughs> <laughs> www.thegreenlanterncore.com and the Green Lantern Spotlight Podcast. I uh, just wanted to give you guys congratulations on your one-year anniversary and uh, wish you guys many more. Congratulations. All right, and thanks to the Green Lantern Spotlight Podcast. I I actually just listened to one of their episodes the other day. It's always interesting to hear someone else cover the, the same issues that we do, you know, because, like, we spend so much time on them, it's like you kind of think, oh, we've we've wrung out everything there is, but you know sometimes a, a fresh take is kind of cool. So, our closing. You know, you know, I have to say, after one year, you'd think that we would have got this down already. Someday we'll write something down. Maybe. Not really. Yeah. Okay. So. Hey, you know what? You know what? You know what? You know what we should what? do? Let's make Jason do the closing. Just on the spot. Uh, negative. Come on. <laughs> negative. Negatory, <laughs> sir. Special occasion. <laughs> Fine. Oh, boy. Okay. So, we have a voicemail number. It's 206-600-7357. You just call up that number, leave us a voicemail, and we'll play it on the show. Doesn't even have to be about Green Lantern. Just leave a voicemail. <laughs> Could be a wrong number. We will play wrong numbers. <laughs> I got I got woken up this morning early because somebody who, you know, the, the first words in his voicemail were, this better be the right number, which means it's always going to be the wrong number. And he, wa- he wanted to see if his shipment of fish got in, so it's, it, it was it wasn't me. Nice. <laughs> I know. Oh, uh, poor shipment of fish. I know. Who Welcome knows where they? Dad's are. here. Come get it. Uh, uh, we have a website at lanterncast.com. From there, you can go to our message board, or you can go to our Facebook page. Which has reached over a hundred members. We have over a hundred members of our Facebook page. And hey, what do we get to do now, Jim? Uh, we get to keep on getting new members on our Facebook page. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty much what we get. Your end game <laughs> kind of fizzled out there, didn't it? My end game has not ended yet. It's a continuing game, and eventually there will be. An announcement made because we made it to a hundred Facebook fans. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what you announced already. So you can write us at lanterncast <laughs> at gmail dot com or at dan at lanterncast dot com or jim at lanterncast dot com or what's the other guy? Jason at lanterncast dot com. <laughs> the other guy. Um uh. Uh, I think that's all we have. iTunes, we're on iTunes. 
Yeah. Oh, hey, you know what? Since I rarely ever bring it up, uh, if you're on iTunes and you listen to us on iTunes, or even if you don't but you have an iTunes account, then please go to iTunes, do a search for Lantern Cast, and leave us a review because that helps us out a great deal. And also, we just like reading them. And after you have left us a message on there, then, you know, just uh, give us a heads up on either our Facebook page, our message board, or our uh, voicemail line, which is 206-600-7357. And and let us know that you did, because, uh, you know, we want to be able to appreciate you individually. Hardly bring it up. You brought it, you bring it up like every episode. You brought it up last week. I think every time you say, you know, I never bring this up, but you know, nobody would have caught on to that if you hadn't just brought it up just now. So, well, please, everybody's turned it off by now. Come on, uh, they're all they're all waiting for what's after the credits today. Can we uh, can we just be done now so that we can get yeah, to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's be done. Okay, let's be done. Good night. Good night. What I ever have to say Words of shame Words I should never say again Hi, everybody. We're back, and now that it's after the credits, we have that thing that we've been teasing throughout the episode, and it's a commentary track for the Superman animated episode in Brightest Day. This was the episode where Kyle Rayner, you know, became Green Lantern on an episode of Superman. So we thought it'd be fun to do a little, like, uh, commentary track that you can play, like, while you watch and you know, maybe give you some insight to the episode that you hadn't thought of before. So, you all set, Dan? I'm ready to go. I have this all queued up on our Facebook page where Chad, who, I, I think he, he even sent in the uh, the voicemail about this. So He did, yes. He was nice enough to post it, to kind of preemptively post it on our Facebook site. So, no, <laughs> thanks, Chad. You're helping us, you're helping us answer your own question. Yes. So, okay, on the count of press, we'll say three, two, one, then press, and then uh, that'll be when you start it up. So, it took us a year to figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> three, two, one, press. Okay. There we go. Got the Warner Brothers logo there, and the opening to Superman the Animated Series. A nice epic sounding opening. I got good music on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely a good one. Got the whole origin of Superman, like right there, just a couple of seconds. Hey, he saved a plane. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now he's saving Lois. Hey, you know, you don't realize how big saving crashing airplanes is in Superman's history until you start to like see a lot of it, like a lot of different versions of it. Uh, 
Lobo. Still can't believe they put Lobo in there. <laughs> yeah, that, that was fun. Like, of all the DC characters to pick, you know, like, the most, like, un-PC one ever. <laughs> okay, so, here we go. Episode starting out. And right off the bat, you have Gil's Ristorante, an homage to Gil Kane, the artist in charge of creating Hal Jordan. Yeah, we have Kyle Rayner hanging out with his friend Jimmy Olsen. You notice, Dan, about how uh, these rejection letters here have the DC stamp at the top? Yeah, that's nice. Even Kyle Rayner can't get paid to work at DC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what do you think of the uh, the look of Kyle Rayner? Do you mean beyond the uh, the way they kind of howled him up? Yeah, yeah, that's that's basically what I was getting at. It's like, he's Kyle Rayner, but he kind of looks like a young Hal Jordan. Yeah, which... I mean, it's it's understandable why they went with the Hal Jordan-style origin. It's a better story, especially for someone like this, but they could have done it while still making him look like Kyle, you know? That's true, yeah. Because, I mean, if, if the idea behind it is you don't want to have, have an episode advertising a character that you're not actively using in comics, then, you know, what's the point of naming him Kyle Rayner if he's going to look like Hal Jordan? Yeah, yeah. I love that Clark was going to answer. It's like, how many times have you flown around the moon? Well... (laughs) (laughs) Seventeen. This morning. (laughs) What do you think of the style of Abinsur's ship? It's kind of like a tube with like angry eyes. <laughs> it's like a bullet. It's just like a like a simple little bullet flying towards the earth. Oh, I mean, I mean the Bruce Tim style is pretty like simplistic, like minimalistic kind of stuff. But mm. I don't know. It's it's weird. I'm not used to the Earth ships being more like dynamically designed than the alien <laughs> spaceships. True enough. How uh, how interesting is it that here you have the origin of Green Lantern, and in the same very same episode you have Superman saving a spaceship, which is like you know <laughs> how he became Superman in the modern tellings. Yeah. Hell, if he had saved the other ship, we wouldn't have Kyle Rayner. Abinsur would still be <laughs> healthy and probably eaten at an Arby's or something. Uh, they just mistake him for, like, an American Indian. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, made the old lamp disappear thing. It lamped out. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I really like the energy effect. Yeah. You know what's interesting? This is yet another death of Abin, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even look 
He doesn't even look particularly hurt. Yeah. <laughs> He's just really tired. <laughs> uh, you know what would have been a nice touch? If they had named what? this named this spaceship the Flying Spear. Oh. <laughs> awesome. I, I didn't see that. That, looked, that like that would have been nice though. I mean look like seriously, look at that energy. Look how bright they made it. Like it really looks like it's glowing. It's not just an outline. Yeah. I don't understand why the ring is like circling this woman. It's like she obviously has no chance. The ring's just wasting well, what its a- time. Well, maybe her dog, you know? I mean, they've let squirrels and raccoons into the core before. It's like, hey, a cool dog. Listen, if a dog is going to get a power ring, it's not going to be a poodle, I think. Yeah, well, what was Nort? Was he, like, a mix of everything or something? Or <laughs> I, I, I don't know. He was... He was whatever his race was. Yeah. Like, see, even in the vent there, the lighting in this is, like, really good, and it really stands out against the kind of drab color of everything else, like, the normal stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the way they handled this ring, like, they they did an exceptional job, because, like, yeah, okay, you read the comics, and, yeah, okay, it would be cool to have a Green Lantern ring and everything, but, like, this particular one, it's just, like, it's got so much energy, and it's so dynamic, because of the, you know, the cold cartoon. Yeah. Oh, uh, he didn't even, he's, he doesn't wash his hands, you know? <laughs> Wait, he just got out. Yeah. Well, maybe he was about to go wash his hands. No, I know, but he doesn't. He goes straight from this. I mean, watch, watch. Well, maybe putting the costume on, like, cleanses your, uh, your hands as well. That's a little optimistic. I'm I'm not high-fiving the guy. That's all I'm saying. And the costume just happened to disappear in time. I wonder why. (laughs) This episode came out in 1999, and that is pretty much evident by the vest that he's wearing over his shirt. (laughs) <laughs> He's dressed like Chandler from Friends. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, now Superman tracking down this spaceship. There it is. I like how Superman can fly like faster than a speeding bullet, and this time he's just kind of like taking his time. Oh, no. It's an alien with a cramp in his back. (laughs) Oh, he's doing that thing again. (laughs) I'm injured. Oh, and there he goes. Now, I assume they did that just so he's not, like, in the ship when Sinestro blows it up. But, like, is there any kind of comic precedent for their bodies disappearing when they die? No. I don't think so, at all. Yeah. And here we have Sinestro. Sinestro here is voiced by Ted Levine, who also happens to play Captain Leland Stottlemyre in Monk. That's the the dude with the mustache who's in charge, right? Exactly. 
And he actually went on to play Sinestro in the Justice League Unlimited cartoon, as well as the uh, episode of Static Shock where Sinestro showed up. Yeah, that's a surprising amount of consistency, considering how how much earlier this came. Mm, true. Now, now, right here, like, the amount of power that Sinestro's ring has, like, I kind of like that because, you know, it's, it's not something that Superman can just deal with right off the bat. It's like, it's actually, yeah. you know, it has an impact on Superman. So you know that this guy, you know, is a big deal. It kind of hits home the idea that, like, okay, if this is what Sinestro can do then you know, Green Lantern could too. So it gives you that idea of, of how how powerful Kyle Rayner or any other Green Lantern could be if they wanted to. Right. And using Superman as that measuring stick. Mm. Mm. And Superman does his little drill thing into the ground just in the nick of time. Love that. And now the battery mm-hmm. just showed up again. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, and that's uh, part one. Oh, and I forgot to mention, it, it's kind of ironic how Sinestro made the comment that uh, Abin Sir was no friend of mine funny considering, hmm. you know, what's going on in uh, Blackest Night nowadays. Yeah, it's such a vital... Their friendship is such a vital part of it all. Mm. Okay, okay, so now we got uh, part two all queued up. Yep. And on the count of push. On the count of push. Three, two, one, push. Push. And Superman arrives on Oa. Which I think is a space station or something. <laughs> I'll just I'll just go with it. <laughs> this is actually a little bit ahead of its time cuz that middle guardian is a woman. Right. And she's bald. Yeah. Say it. Or scar. Ah, Ooh. and there's his first construct is a jet plane. They have a lot of nods to Hal Jordan in this. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. I like how uncontrollable it is at first. It's just happening on impulse. Yeah. He's, <laughs> like, covering up his fist. This'll work. <laughs> and now, like, completely instinctively, he just kind of races into action. Fachoom. That's cool. Couldn't, couldn't save the ball, though. <laughs> uh, just instinctively knows about the, you know, how to use a crowbar. And I totally accept it. It's This is great. Yeah. And he even puts out the fire. 
I liked how it was dissolved in like a swirl. That's not that's cool. And just when he's about to enjoy himself, here comes Sinestro. Yeah. Sinestro is pretty brutal. Yeah. So yeah, in, in this version, the green rings do not have a yellow weakness. Yeah. Which, you know, I thought was... Well, I don't know. I'm fine with it. Because, I mean, they're, they've already mixed Hal and Kyle together enough that, you know, if you're going to bring the Kyle Rayner name and kind of occupation along, you know, bring his lack of a yellow vulnerability, too. Why not? <laughs> I mean, like, the way that, you know, his very first threat that he has to deal with is Sinestro. If he didn't, you know, if he has to do that and not know about the yellow weakness, like, he would have been taken out, like, instantly. Yeah. Uh, Now the giant hand construct. A classic. As close (laughs) as we get to a boxing glove. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Nice little satire there on uh, yeah. super villain monologues. <laughs> it's like, what, are you crazy? <laughs> you know, and it, it's it's kind of believable that, like, if you're stuck in this, this hand, then you would just be, like, trying to struggle to get out, and then all of a sudden, like, just instinctively, like, just throw energy at him. Yeah, because he's had this thing on... He's been the Green Lantern for, like, five minutes. Yeah. And, oh, here's here's that trick I love. Yeah. Where he just phases through a wall. Like, that's from Showcase 22, freaking. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wish there was a scene where there's, like, a ball guy looking out the window going, what the hell is that? That's not a bird. <laughs> we should lamp him out. <laughs> uh, okay, here we have Salak, Katmatui, Abin Sir, Kilowog, I think that's Brickar, Tomar Ray. Some snake-headed guy, a cricket, a lizard, a one-eyed guy, and Frisia. <laughs> you were doing so good there for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I I did as many as I could possibly come up with. As many as I could without doing any research at all. Yeah. Mr. Cricket Man, <laughs> Snake Face. Lizard Head. I like how they stayed kind of ambiguous with Sinestro's power source. They just said he found another source. And, like, that's all you need to know, you know? Really, it is. Mel's. I don't know if that's supposed to mean anything. Mel's. It's it's obviously Mel Gibson. (laughs) Mel Torme. Maybe they were ahead of their time. Chris Meloni. Wow. No. (laughs) (laughs) and defends and fizzle this is the part where like (laughs) I would be crying (laughs) (laughs) just break down on the ground start (laughs) like crapping your pants (laughs) yeah (laughs) like yeah the way that it just kind of like sparked out like that it's just like Oh my god, like, I can feel, I, I, I understand what he's, what he's going through right there. 
I better figure out how to do it now. And he figures it out. Yeah. Charges up the old ring. It's like, well, why didn't they tell you how to do this? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Maybe they just figured it was instinct. It's like, well, why wouldn't you stick your hand in it? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, like, and then, conversely, you run out of energy with this thing, and you're just like, oh, God, what do I do now? And now, all of a sudden, you know, the thing is running at full power. It's like, I would be, like, so, like, raring to go and rushing into the fight. And here he is. I wouldn't have yelled. (laughs) I would have just dropped the mountain on him. (laughs) (laughs) He still got the desired effect. Yeah. I like how when you hit someone with, like, something that's glowing green, their impact under it is green as it hits them, because, like, the aura's around it. Like, that's a nice touch. Here we get, like, Sinestro's backstory. Yeah, I like that, uh, the Guardians are afraid of Sinestro. Yeah, you would. (laughs) Again, it's ahead of its time. Yeah. And they keep, like, like between this and the Guardian scene, they gave us just enough about Sinestro's history that we understand his character. Mm. I think if I was a kid that was seeing this for the first time, like, I would definitely want to know more about Green Lantern. Mm. And there we have it, Colonel Hal Jordan. Nice little reference to the other Green Lantern. Oh, which one? Guy Gardner? Kilowog? Chip? Mogo? Salak? No, sn- snakehead. <laughs> oh! You know, Not Snakehead. Face? This is, this is clever. He figures out that he can give him, like, some sort of fake exploding ring. <laughs> and still have its own ring. That's, that's great. That's so clever. It's night. And, like, Sinestro's so, like, he's arrogant enough that he would totally buy winning. Like, like no way this rookie thought of anything. Yeah, he yeah. He couldn't trick. I love this. He basically electrocutes Sinestro's brain. <laughs> well, there's, like, a nice little nod to imprisoning him in the central power battery there, oh. too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, like, why didn't they ever think of that before? You know, use the use the ring to create electricity to fry his brain. And here we go. Love that. Love that. <laughs> his toothless mouth. <laughs> uh, Superman just, like, crumbles it in his fingers, his ring. <laughs> he flinches. Oh. Uh, the creepy god eyes go on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and poof, they're back on Oa. Space Station Oa. Maybe that's just the viewing room. Maybe it's just, like, got a a wallpaper like that. Battlestar Oa. (laughs) This is the weirdest thing. It's like, I just doodle in the corner of notebooks. You know? I'm a nobody. And Superman's like, that makes you perfect. Like, no, it's 
really doesn't. <laughs> well, no, he he's because he said like I spent half my life in a fantasy world, and that's what yeah. that's what a uh, Superman meant. Now, now this is kind of a uh, you know a jerk move. The Guardians like transport them to Oa in like a heartbeat, <laughs> and then make yeah, them fly he, back. Yeah, you can walk home, kid. Uh, they had like a nice little nod in there to um the thing you love to see like like well why don't you just give Superman the ring come on I'm nobody yeah yeah that was yeah you have uh, the voice of Kyle Rayner in this is Michael P Greco who he's done like some other voiceover work but but not really a lot of stuff and in actuality there was another episode of the Justice League Unlimited that featured Kyle Rayner, like, for a really quick cameo, and that one, yeah, that one was voiced by Will Friedel, who is also Batman Beyond. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was, uh, I think that was when, uh, Amazo came back. Exactly, yeah. Like, yeah. Did you see this for the first time when it aired for the first time? I actually didn't see it for, like, another, like, week or two uh, online, because I missed it. Because I can't remember if... Well, actually, I actually do. I don't... Like, I, I did see it, its initial airing, and it was completely by accident, because I mean, at the time, I would watch WB a lot, and I never saw any kind of advertisement for it or any kind of like like Saturday morning coming up kind of thing it was like I had just happened to wake up like a half hour before it started that Saturday morning just happened to flip the channels at the right time to catch like this 20 second ad that said you know next on Superman the origin of the Green Lantern starts in 30 minutes. I'm like, what? Oh my god! <laughs> it was what like luck. a total accident. Yeah, I remember DC Direct put out a, uh, a maquette of of Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern in this costume. I saw that. that you and, can see those in almost any comic store now, I think. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a cool one. Like, I, I always thought about getting that one. Um, what are those made out of? Uh, poly resin or something like that. So they're not like super fragile or anything. I don't think they're super fragile, and I mean, you know, the the sculpt is fairly basic enough that you know it's not like you have a bunch of like little tiny fragile parts. Yeah. So, but there was also at the Warner Brothers store before they went out of business. They were actually selling like the animation cells from the uh, the show. Uh, oh jeez. Yeah, every once in a while, like one of those will pop up online, and they also had this one thing. It was like it was a print. It was an art print, but it was like like really nicely done, and it was super limited. Um, I think it might have been printed on acetate or something like that with a background. Um, mm. It had. Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern. You had the Guardians. You had like this whole space motif and like some of the characters. Absolutely beautiful thing. I think they were selling it for like 
200 $300 or something. And that's, it's like, it's rare that you'll actually see any of this stuff on eBay. But every once in a while, you will. And, you know, that's some cool stuff. Wow. So, yeah. Yep. This is, I mean, some of it kind of was kind of a little weird, you know, like like some of it was a little off just because of, just because of time and all that, but this still holds up pretty well. I still like it. Me too. Yeah. So, there you go, people. There's our first commentary track for anything. If you liked it, then let us know, and maybe there will be more down the road. Yes. If you hated it, that's jim at lanterncast.com. <laughs> ah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'll take yeah. those emails. Well, yeah. Uh, okay, well, happy one year. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Thanks for, thanks for being here with us for one year. Yeah. That was nice. Uh, 